Human beings are stupid, is what I'm trying to say. And also, we're basically just what you described was Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yeah, that's it. I think I think that some <laughs> people do actually call it the Goldilocks problem. Oh, that's not mine? Oh, man. No, well, I th- I maybe, I maybe, so we've cool just, just maybe you just invented that, but I've got a feeling that people have talked about it as the Goldilocks problem. But let's pretend that you just invented that, because, you know, why not? Because that's cool. This is the Mideast Beast Podcast. I am your host here in Jerusalem, Molly Livingstone, and across the pond, as always, Alex Giles. Good morning, Molly. How are you? (laughs) I said that, and in my mind, I envisioned you watching your favorite show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is my favorite. You know, last week, we didn't even touch on the fact of really that she was (laughs) Jewish. I don't think we even discussed that uh, Michelle Gellar was Jewish. Right. I told you afterwards. Yes, you you did. You told me afterwards. My love of Buffy is religiously neutral right so you say well i mean i see no religion i think you didn't see her religion because her nose is very small so she doesn't give it away only a jew like i hear her name and i'm like jewish she did have a delightful little dinky button nose it's true yeah probably a nose job let's be honest maybe maybe but no one has that i I don't think that everyone probably for a second podcast in a row wants to hear me going on about because this is not the buffy there are i didn't want to hear you for one podcast well true there are other podcasts that will discuss buffy the vampire slayer (laughs) at length in fact there is one where they'll talk about every single episode one after the other not that i subscribe you understand let's just talk about another slayer shall we trump (laughs) trump okay we are speaking the day after his first State of the Union address. Yes. To be honest, I don't care for it. I mean, I, I don't want to listen to it. I never want to listen to any of them because I find it's very pomp and stance. You know, you stand up, you say some crap, everyone claps, you have to wait for the claps, you say some more crap, yep. and it's just repeat, isn't it? Yeah. And even he got the same thing. I mean, yes, there were obviously more jeers and, you know, rolling of the eyes, but he said something about, oh, we have to take pride in the American flag. And that even got a clap. We're clapping for flags now. I mean, that's that's what we're stooping to. I think, to be fair, if you're talking to an American audience, talking about the flag is a pretty solid it's a flag. clap, clap. It's a flag. You're going to get a round of applause. I was about to say clap giver, but that's that actually has other <laughs> connotations and that's not good. That's like um, an STD, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a good applause line. That's what we were looking for. <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about it only because really he didn't talk about the Middle East, which is what we like to talk about. Yes, he really focused really, yep. on America. Yes, America first. America first. Actually, when I was reading CNN, which is like my main source when I try to get real fake alternative facts news, whatever it is. Yep. As I've always keep saying is I study journalism. I was taught that you are supposed to be objective and tell the story. And I read the headlines there and it is like the onion. It is like the Mideast beast. They are mocking him. They are flat out mocking him with every headline. Yep. Even the analysis, the six takeaways. Yep. And it was with language of I, okay, maybe it's your analysis, but to put that as one of the top headlines to talk about the president's speech and in such a way of we can't really take seriously what he's saying. Here's behind his BS. <laughs> I mean, that's very undermining. It makes you not want to trust him from the get-go, whether you trust him or not. 
it's swaying your opinion. It's yellow journalism, in my opinion. I think that's a fair Ooh, point. I think fair point. a term. He did touch slightly on the Middle East in saying that uh, Gitmo was going to stay open. Okay, so yeah, that, that's a reversal. I say it's a reversal. I mean, Obama spent eight years saying from day one that he was going to close it. And yet somehow, as a closing down sale goes, it went on for a very, very long time. <laughs> I mean, everything was at heavy, heavy discount by the end of his administration. <laughs> everything must go. Everything must go. But it go. didn't. So I'm not quite sure that it was really technically reversing anything, given that it never actually happened. But that's just me. Right. Well, things that never actually happened seem to sort of be the theme of at least this administration. I will say this, when you talk about Obama and we look back at other presidents, I know that when Mike Pence was here last week, Vice President Mike Pence, one of the headlines that came out was Palestinians burning the American flag and Mike Pence's picture. However, people then tweeted, well, they burned every single politician, like every president, vice president's picture. So in that (laughs) way, there is no difference, right? It's like... They burned Obama's picture, so yeah, they're yeah. not fans of anyone. It's an interesting point that what seems like to Americans and to the West to be a big difference, you know, whether there's a Democrat in the White House or a Republican in the White House or President Trump in the White House, whatever he is, mm-hmm. actually, to the Middle East, to the often quoted Arab street, it actually makes no difference at all. To Iran, when they've you know, deciding to shout death to America because it's a Thursday afternoon and you want to, you know, keep everyone's mind off other things. Or, you know, you're in you're in Cairo and things are a bit shitty. Here's an interesting question. Would the average person even know that Obama had been a Democrat, whatever that meant to them, and Trump is a Republican and W. Bush was a Republican as well? Would that actually mean anything to those people? No, I don't know if they would necessarily know the difference of Democrat and Republican. I think they would know liberal and conservative and I think they would kind of know by face what each sort of stands for. Do you think so? I mean I can understand that if you're really you know sort of a well-educated elite in Jordan or an elite in Israel or an elite anywhere would understand that. In the same way I mean to be fair if you were to ask Mm. the average British person what's the difference between a Democrat and Republican or even for that matter what party does President Trump actually represent the average Brit wouldn't know. I'm slightly unusual in many ways, but in understanding that difference. Yeah, I think it's true. I think that also Trump represents that, meaning he doesn't really need seem to know the real issues. He sort of is symbolic of the average person today, Mm -hmm. which is I have my own things to worry about. I'm stressed out. The news is somewhere in the background. And if it's depressing, don't tell me about it. Whatever's on my Facebook feed is what I'm going to get. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people. And and that can be intelligent people. I have friends who don't want to know what's going on. It's just too terrifying. Yeah. And so you block that out. So it's interesting that you say that because I think here, for better or for worse, Trump focused on issues in America and what he wants to do in America. Really, 20% was outside of that. So it really was focused on that. He had his like North Korean... uh, What was the guy that left North Korea? He had like a beautiful audience sort of representing everybody. It was very well staged. Which, by the way, I got out of that analysis that is so biased. So (laughs) that's what I learned. But I do think that when you're the average person, and now I'm going to ask you, Alex, as an average person, because, yes, you tend to not follow things and you read the headlines and then you assume the headlines are giving me the most important news of the day. 
But is that really the truth? So we always hear about Israel and the Palestinians, and it seems like there's always war terror. But in actuality, I looked this up, and you tell me. Mm-hmm. I looked up per country. Well, this was from Statistica. Dot com. Okay, yeah, good Number website, of, good website. Okay, good. Number of terrorist attacks in 2016 by country. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you, here you are, you're going to represent the average person and our listeners too. Right, I'm going to show my averageness now because yeah, I'm going to get uh, this wrong, but go on. <laughs> this is like a first date. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> All the action happens on the third date, Molly. You know that. That's when I take care if of If you get there, if you get there. All right, that's just way too much. That's, like, <laughs> that's another statistic for another you day. You okay. Go on. What is the country with the highest um, number of terrorist attacks and this is from 2016 okay so it was about a a little over a year ago Mm -hmm. what do you think it is Uh, how are you defining terrorist attack oh for the love of god (laughs) it's it's not that complicated is it not that complicated so you're going to tell me i'm going to say well i'm going to say it's going to be iraq good yes yes it is Okay, that's easy. I think that's easy. I think it's also sad, meaning Iraq, which was supposedly liberated, right? I mean, the Americans or Europe or whoever, we started to a little bit occupy it. I think I you think. are pushing the phrase liberated it to the end of what the definition of liberated well, is. Well, yeah, I yeah, mean, okay. do you we... not think the people were happy that Saddam Hussein was gone in some way? Uh, a fascist I, dictator? There's nothing good to say about Saddam Hussein. I mean, even his mother, I don't think, liked him that much. <laughs> I don't know that to be true, by the way. I Often think. the way for the dictators. Yeah, yeah so yeah, you must have loved him. Yes, you'd find it hard to say that anyone would shed a tear over a Saddam going. Is the population of Iraq safer than it was under Saddam Hussein? And the answer is statistically, no, they're, they're really not. They, I mean, the last, you know, 14 years since the liberation of 03 have not been safer. Now, I mean, yes, you might be able to be freer and, and state your political point, but only if you don't mind potentially getting shot in the face for it by multiple factions. At least back in the good old days, it was only the Iraq secret police infrastructure that were going to hang you up by your toes and beat the living shit out of you. You know, now the chance of you being tortured and shot in the face uh, come from multiple angles. I'm not, I'm not sure that makes your average person Okay, so let me ask happier, you another question. Let me ask you... Thank you. Thank you for that wise analysis on Iraq. As analysis goes, that was pretty broad stroke, but, you know, I'm I'm willing to be uh, pulled up on it by brighter people than me. What do you think was higher on the number of terrorist attacks in 2016? Was it India, Philippines, Syria, or Israel? Well, well, the Philippines, of course, have my favourite terrorist group in the world. You have a favourite terrorist group? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is the NSA listening to that? So it's the M-I-L-F, MILF. And the M stands for, I've forgotten, but it's the, it's the color of the island. And then the, the I is for, so it's the Something Islamic Liberation Front, but MILF. Uh, and that's my favorite terrorist group. I think they're brilliant. <laughs> they got defeated relatively recently. So to answer Aww. your question, Philippines, Indonesia, India, well, they all have serious. Uh, they'll all be pretty high, actually, of course. I didn't say Indonesia. I said India, Philippines, Syria, Israel. I think it's probably uh, Indonesia. I mean, they've got some serious issues right now. But... I didn't say Indonesia. I said India. It was India. Sorry, Stop it's saying... India. It is India. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's India. India, Philippines. Mm-hmm. Syria was the ninth of the top ten. Where do you think Israel fell in that ten category? Okay, is it even in the top ten? Ooh, you're so smart, Alex. No one can get anything by you. <laughs> That's right. It's not there. It is not there. 
It is not there. I think that's really important because it feels when you read the news that it's absolutely one of the most dangerous places mm. in the world to ever go to. Yes. And yet it doesn't even make that list. It doesn't make that list. And then, of course, then I was like, well, where does it fall? So then I went to my trusty source, which is Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, very low on that list, too. Where does it fall then? Put us out of well, our misery. Where does it fall? It's not in the same. It says 50. What is this? 50 number of incidents. 16 deaths and then 175 injuries right okay i don't know if that's true this all feeds into and there are lots of interesting studies on this people's concept of risk and people's concept of the chances of something happening and essentially what experts say is that human beings are really dreadful at assessing Assessing. future risk and assessing the odds of something happen so so the only three yeah that's why so many people get married yes (laughs) yes yes the only three chances that people can understand really easily apparently they can understand 50 50 right flip of a coin people understand that and they understand a sure thing Right, they think that's definite. That they're okay with that, and they can understand. And that's why they use Tinder. They can understand a million to one shot. The idea of something being really highly, 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 highly unlikely, and and what people tend to do is whatever you've asked them to assess the chances of something happening, they will try to put it into one of those three pots. So, mm. so somewhere where it lies, the idea of something being ten thousand to one or a hundred thousand to one, which is very unlikely but not impossible, they either, depending on how their mindset is, drag that into the never going to happen and then get absolutely shocked and horrified that it does, or mm. or they stick it into the kind of 50-50 and therefore That's won't ever said. put themselves into that position. So they'll think that Israel, they'll, they'll have heard there's been some attacks in Israel, and they'll either count that as being an incredibly dangerous place to go, as a 50-50 chance, if I go there, I'm going to get blown up. Or they think it's so crazily unlikely that they go and then they get caught up in something and it's, it blows their mind the other way. Human beings are stupid, is what I'm trying to say. And also, we're basically just what you described was Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yeah, that's it. I think, I think that some <laughs> people do actually call it the Goldilocks problem. Oh, that's not mine? Oh, man. No, well, I th- I maybe, I maybe, so we've cool just, just maybe you just invented that, but I've got a feeling that people have talked about it as the Goldilocks problem. But let's pretend that you've just invented that, because, you know, why not? Because that's cool. And then when you read into it, and then it gets even scarier, I mean, let's talk about, for example, Yemen. Yeah. My husband is a Yemenite Jew. His family originated from Yemen. Yemen has always been a very contentious, dangerous place to live. And right now, did you know this? I didn't, until I started reading, the government, I mean, it was basically, there was like a coup in 2015. They're not even in the capital. Yeah, the guys up in the north decided, sod this for a game of soldiers, let's go and take the capital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I did yeah. know that. So yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> shit is going down, and I know that they all have like guns, and they're crazy, and you just see pictures of like, you know, these separatists walking around on the streets with loaded it's guns. It's like the largest civilian of ownership of guns in the world, you know. You can have three guesses what the first one is, but yeah, second largest. Good old USA. Yeah. America first. Yeah, America Number one at everything. Number one with a bullet, yeah. That's what also was interesting to me because I said, okay, so maybe, you know, Israel's higher on the terrorist attacks, but then if you actually decide, well, how many people are dying in general from crime? Mm-hmm. Well, then the numbers are terrifying, aren't they? And you go back to the U.S. is really much scarier than Israel. Uh, yes, absolutely. All of Africa is terrifying. Yes. According to the Wikipedia list, anyways. <laughs> they all have guns. 
I mean, they're all just killing each other. It seems like from the list. I'm not trying to be racist because that's what it sounds like. But this is a dangerous thing, isn't it? Yes. Some friends of mine just completed a backpacking tour all the way from Egypt to South Africa overland. So they went through all of these, you know, a lot of these places and skirted a lot of these places that were, you know, that if you read, if you read your Wikipedia page, you might consider to be slightly terrifying, but <laughs> didn't see anything that would have occurred as being dangerous. So I think you've always got to be careful with these situations into sort of, you know, there's a classic Hollywood thing of um, confusing Africa with actually being uh, a country. Oh, yeah, Rather than the sort of, of a hundred or a hundred countries in Africa. That's one of those pub quiz games when you would try to work out how many countries are in Africa. It's like 80 to 100, I think, which range all the way from, you know, a place like Tunisia, which is really interestingly unique in the Arab world. I happen to be reading a book on Tunisia right now. I'll come back to you on uh, on the next week's <laughs> podcast once I've finished reading it. But it's a really fascinating uh, place if you haven't read more about Tunisia and how that operates as a Islamic stroke, an Arab country, and how it's really interesting. There you go. Top tip okay. for people to read. I like that side of Alex. Yeah, reading Alex. You know? It's not just Buffy. It's reading as well. The deeper side, yeah. Look, this podcast, we try to talk about the ridiculousness. I mean, I think that's what we bring to light, even though we agree time and time again. It's what we're best at, let's, let's be honest. It's I mean. really, that's all we're good for. Yeah, is snark. And I think that it shows that what the real news agenda is, what's really going on, and maybe things that we should be aware of that we're not, in order to kind of get out of a Goldilocks syndrome mm-hmm. of this is dangerous, don't do that. I don't know, I just, I'm fascinated. Just to see, We all have the internet. At the touch of our hands, we can learn anything we want, but we don't. And we let <laughs> yeah, the people tell us what to think. And then you start to read it, and you're, you're just blown away. I mean, I'm training, and we'll end on this. This is important to say, Alex. I am training for the half marathon I'm for Jerusalem's I'm half impressed. marathon. Yeah, I'm almost dead from it. But yeah, it won't be a terrorist attack. I'll be in the other category. But I did 15 kilometers this morning. I don't know what that is in miles, but it's a lot. 10 miles, and, that's a lot. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, a half marathon is 21, so I'm almost there. But when I'm running, and it's a beautiful day, which I can't imagine in London it's that nice. No, but no, no. Here, yeah, it's enough. stunning. And I just cannot tell you how many different types of people I see. Everyone walking, going to and from work. Like, I try to get into, like, their world a little bit so I don't feel my feet as much, you know. <laughs> and it's amazing. And it's all the same people. You know how I know I know the Middle Eastern people because they don't get out of my way? It's amazing. Such a small country and they take up the whole sidewalk. You'd think we'd <laughs> learn. The more polite people I tend to think are tourists, right? They stop for me to run by. Yep. Very nice. Uh, you got very, very religious people who jump into a bush because they see my dog coming, not just me. Right. And it's amazing. There are so many different people. And then you don't get to know that. You don't get to see that in the news. How diverse of just, I'm talking about Jerusalem where I live. So I can only imagine, as you said, like your friends who went through Africa. I'm here on Wikipedia and I'm seeing this and I'm like, well, I'm I'm not going there or there or any, (laughs) basically that whole country of Africa is off limits, right? Yes. So I encourage people through this podcast to challenge yourselves. Use that thing called the internet. Look up some some weird shit. Just, well, not too weird, right? We don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, that's where Alex belongs. But again, I think that this podcast is supposed to a little bit inspire you to think more. That's what the mini beast, right? We're making fun of stuff, but really 
Do you know what's going on? Yes. All right. So on that note, share this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes or where you get your podcasts from. We're online, of course, themideastbeast.com, Facebook, The Mideast Beast. Follow us on Twitter at MideastBeasties. Alex, any final thoughts? He's reading his book on Tunisia. Uh, season three of Buffy is pretty much the best. And we're back to Buffy. It always goes around to that, doesn't it? It's the best of, of the seven seasons. That's just me. That's an alternative fact if I ever heard one. (laughs) Nonetheless, you have been listening to another episode of the Mideast Peace Podcast.